You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past, the podcast that focuses on inspiring you to move forward from what's been holding you back in life. Each week, we talk with clinicians, coaches, mental health advocates, and those who've overcome tremendous odds and now use their journey to encourage you throughout yours. I'm Matt Pappas, Certified Coach and NLP Master Practitioner, alongside Joanne Suppressi, Author, Certified Coach, and Hypnotherapist. In addition to talking with amazing guests on the show, we share practical tips and insightful strategies that empower and encourage you to break free from anxiety, self-doubt, and the negative mindsets that keep you stuck. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Hey, greetings, friend, and welcome back to the podcast. Before we get started, we want to pause and thank our incredible sponsors, INLP Center, offering world-class online neurolinguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. If you've ever considered becoming a coach or simply want information on their programs, just head over to inlpcenter.org. And to Daily Recovery Support, interactive daily group calls in a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with the skills and information you can use every single day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. So today my guest is Bipolar Barbie, a mental health advocate who shares her life on social media, connecting with people across the globe who find validation and confidence in her story. I've really been looking forward to talking with B for a long time. I'm grateful we were able to fit in a recording, especially with the time zone difference being so vast between us. She actually was kind enough to wake up an hour earlier before taking a friend to the airport just to hang out and chat for a while. Her story is one of struggle, triumph, vulnerability, and ongoing learning about who you are and what you're capable of. A message of not giving up no matter what. A message of being unapologetically you, regardless of what others think or say. Your ability to just get up every day and be you is amazing. As she writes on her website, I am committed to changing the face of mental health. I aim to abolish the stigma surrounding mental health, leading by example, and sharing my journey with mental illness. I hope to make others feel less alone as they experience my creative take on living with mental illness. I hope to inspire change and encourage others to seek help and speak up. It's really an incredible chat, and I'm really, again, grateful to be for spending some time with us. So let's join that chat with Bipolar Barbie and hop into it, starting right now. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I guess my name's uh, Bipolar Barbie, or most people just call me B. Um, I guess you would kind of call me a mental health advocate. That's probably the easiest way to summarize what I do. But I share my story. I'm kind of like a storyteller by nature. So. I just, like, in a really raw and honest kind of way, express myself, whether it be through my art, through my YouTube videos, you know, my social media blogs um, and the books that I'm currently writing and the motivational speeches and stuff that I do. I really just kind of, yeah, share what I've been through in my life, um, particularly around mental illness and um I, I guess certain forms of like a, abuse and, and trauma and things that have happened in my life. And um, why do I call myself bipolar Barbie is probably the question I get asked most. And that is probably not the reason that most people think. Um, when I had this really bad manic episode, 
about three years ago, I started writing my book and I was writing this chapter about my life story. And my housemate walked into my room and she said, your room is an absolute mess. And my room does get to like a mess. It's like a bomb goes off and there's just a clothes explosion. And she said to me, like, your room wouldn't be half as messy if you didn't have as many clothes. So she asked me why I had so many clothes. And I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, I guess I just have so many different personalities. They each need their own wardrobe. And that was kind of a really big moment for me where I went, wow, I really do have different wardrobes for different mood states. Like when I'm depressed, I'm kind of all I wear is like tracky pants and oversized shirts and pajamas. And when I'm manic, I, you know, I like to look really nice and I wear probably tighter fitting stuff. And, you know, then I've kind of got my hippie attire and then I've got my grunge kind of like punk, like leather ripped jeans stuff. And I thought about it and I was like, my wardrobe and my outfit really does tell me a lot about who I'm going to be that day. It, it's like a representation of my mood state. And I don't really know what I'm going to deal with when I wake up every day having multiple mental illnesses. And then I remembered having like a, a Barbie doll when you're a kid and how Barbie had her different outfits, like, you know, nurse Barbie, um, veterinarian Barbie, roller skating Barbie, scuba diving Barbie, marriage Barbie, like all of them. And I realized that my outfits were depression, anxiety, um, you know, bipolar. And I went, you know what? I'm really just like a naked Barbie doll because I don't have much choice on who I'm going to be each day or what role I'm going to be playing. Or at that point in time, I didn't. And I was just really at the mercy of my moods. I was at the mercy of someone else's hand. Um, deciding, you know, who I was going to be each day and what problems I was really going to face. And that's where I came up with this name, Bipolar Barbie, um, because, yeah, I'm I'm kind of every Barbie you could imagine, like, a person can be, and I alternate so much. I have to think that that's a big reason why you are so um, approachable on social media, why you have so many people who really resonate with your message, because – you know, it's, it's really that real and vulnerable of, you know, waking up every day, not sure, um, you know, what mood you're going to be in and what's going to happen. So you, so you kind of prepare each day based on the way you wake up and what things are coming. And that kind of honesty really resonates. I mean, I know when you're talking about being an advocate in the mental health world, uh, one of the biggest things that you need to be is vulnerable and honest. And that is absolutely what you are for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think sometimes like when people ask me, what do I do? Everyone wants to know what you, what you do. And I really don't like to put labels on things. I mean, I get accused a lot of that when I am doing my blogs and stuff. Um, you know, oh, you want to be bipolar. You want to, you know, have anxiety. You want to, you know, be depressed. Like, you know, why do you want to put a label on it? People are always asking me this and I don't really give a shit what you call it. All I want to do is get better. So in my experience, you have to be labeled by a psychiatrist to get the treatment that you need. So throughout my journey, I've always just said, look, if you have to sign that bit of paper that says I have bipolar so that I can get the meds that I need or the therapy that I need or the help that I need, then fine, you put that label on it. And the reason I guess that that overflows into my blog is because I think it's really important to be specific when we're talking about mental health. 
And because I do have a lot of like different mental illnesses, I do try and be specific because I think as a whole, we've really generalized mental illness and mental health. And even mental illness and mental health are very separate, like physical illness and physical health. Everyone is going to have mental health issues, but not everyone is going to be mentally ill. And I think that distinction needs to be made um, because that's where you get this stigma of, oh, well, I had depression and anxiety, but I got over it. Why can't you? So I be specific because I'm like, well, I'm talking about bi- bipolar right now. You know, that that for me is a real, you know, brain uh I don't want to say like deformity or, or something, but it's it's a it's an abnormality, I guess, in your brain, and that needs a different type of treatment than something like trauma based um, therapy or even my um, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is a hormone condition, a psychiatric hormone condition that I have. You know, they're they're all very different, and part of or the biggest bit of my journey was figuring out, okay, what is wrong with me, and how do I fix it. And it wasn't just like a quick, like one question with a quick answer. There was so many little bits to it. So I really had to, you know, dig deep within myself and research as much as I could so that I could separate, you know, naked Barbie from, you know, bipolar Barbie and anxious Barbie and borderline Barbie and, you know, traumatized Barbie and and all of that to get to like, okay, who am I? And what is actually influencing me um, to be this kind of different person. So I think that's why I specifically talk about, you know, things in a specific way if I can put a label on it because I really think there is so much confusion and most of the stigma around mental illness is because it's like a language barrier. We don't know how to speak mental illness. Most of us don't even know how to speak our own emotions, you know, Um, and I think that's the reason a lot of us do become mentally ill or have mental health issues because yeah we don't know how to talk about it and I think that's what I take most seriously about what I'm doing is teaching people how to talk about it um it really used to annoy the shit out of me when I was in a doctor's surgery and you always see the posters or the pamphlets like on the wall and and around you and it's like you know um reach out you know mental health awareness like end the stigma talk about it and it's like yeah well one I talk about it, but no one wants to listen to me. So there's like a first issue. And two, people don't know how to talk about it. Like no one I knew had talked about it. So, you know, I had to come up with my own words. And when people say things to me like, you know, because of you, I could actually understand what was going on inside my mind. Um, You know, people tell me every day that I can put into words things that they can't. And even my doctors said that to me before I started blogging, that they had never met a patient that had such an understanding um, and in-depth and accurate understanding of their diagnoses, but also someone that could communicate effectively. And I think that's how I kind of um, fell into or just, you know, came on this life path and decided to really dedicate my life to raising awareness about mental health and hopefully doing it in, you know, an effective way and like the right way in the sense that it's like a clarifying way that we can actually make some or like huge amounts of progress, I can hope.
it is very, it can be very um, confusing. It can be unnerving. It can be irritating when you, when you see all around you, all of the awareness campaigns and all the reach out for help and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't know how to do it or what to say, then going up and talking to somebody, you just end up accomplishing nothing because you don't know how to formulate it into words. And so that is a huge challenge. And the way that you're able to share and to articulate your particular challenges and relate it in particular to fashion or to different aspects of your life is really something that I'm sure hits home and reaches a lot of people on that level because it's honestly, it makes it a lot easier to understand when you can equate it to something via artwork, via you know fashion, via poetry, via the blog, whatever it is, being able to say, this is how I feel and this is what I do every day and this is what this day was like and compare it to something in life along that way. I love the way that you approach it because not only is it you know obviously easy to understand in terms of, but also just incredibly um, and I, I hate to say the word easy, but it's much more manageable to be able to relate to something when you put it in the way that you do. Yeah, I, like it really surprises me. I think that so many people get so much out of it. Like it really it didn't start off as much, you know, I I guess like my fan base as it kind of grew um, and you know, I don't really like to call, I guess, my followers and, and people who interact with my content fans because I, I think we're starting a global conversation and we're really creating more of like a community, you know, because I see people in the comments, you know, they're not just supporting me, they're supporting other people. And it's really just sort of leading by example and going, it's okay to talk about this stuff. And um, I see a lot of people, you know, tag their friends in it who probably have never engaged with my content or you know, I've met some people in in person, some like random fans, like quite early on. And this girl, I like, I will never forget um, the first girl that I met that I, you know, I didn't know before she'd followed my content. And she was like screaming and crying when I ran into her in the, in the uh, supermarket. And so she was like screaming and crying and I'm like, oh my God, where's One Direction? Like, I was like, what is going on? And she's like, it's you, it's you. And I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, it's me. Um, and she was there with her mother and, you know, her mom just looked at me and gave me a hug and said, like, you saved my daughter's life. You know, she said, because of you, her 16 year old daughter is back on her antidepressant. She's going back and seeking treatment. She said, not only have you saved my daughter's life, but you've saved our relationship. And apparently every morning her daughter was, who normally was, I guess, a typical teenager and particularly a, a depressed teenager you know, would just not interact with the family and withdraw. But her mom started to see a change when she started following me because she would go into her bedroom every morning and she would show her mother like videos that I had posted or posts that I had written and she would read them out to her mom and say, mom, this is how I feel. And because of that, her mother then could understand what her daughter was going through and then that created this like beautiful, you know, um, chance, I think, to, you know, heal a relationship and I think to grow together. Like I could just see that in them and I kind of envied it because I never had the same thing with my parents. Um, but like in that moment, that to me was like everything I've gone through in my life is worth it because I changed like that one person's life. And now looking at like how many people interact with my content every day, it, it, I don't think I let it sink in enough when it's like on the computer until you actually run into people in person and you can actually see 
um, like the effects that it has on them. It's an amazing feeling when you know that you're helping somebody who's struggling. And, you know, I was thinking as you were chatting that another reason that, in my opinion, your your content is so relatable and helps so many people is that, you know, when you go to work with a therapist or, or a psychiatrist or some kind of mental health professional, you often feel a bit intimidated perhaps by, you know, what they share and how they share it and the and the words they use and perhaps because they seem to be maybe more educated than you and they kind of seem to be on a bit of a different level. So when you have somebody who can just talk about it in plain everyday language and relate it so eloquently and in such a way that people can understand it, it just, it makes you feel comfortable to be able to voice what you have as a struggle, not only to perhaps a therapist or, or a doctor, but to also other people. So you can become part of that survivor community, as you mentioned. And you're right. I agree. People who follow content like yours and and blogs of, of other advocates, I wouldn't call them fans either, but it is, it's, it's a global community of people coming together and using their voice to finally end the silence and end the suffering and, and reach out for help. And I think that you are obviously one of the people who are leading the charge, especially for the young generation to be able to understand what mental illness is, to understand what mental health is, the differences and how they can actually talk about it. So I love it. I think your message is awesome. Thank you. And I, I like, I guess most importantly too, that it's okay to talk about. And I think, I, I hope like you can tell me whether or not this, this comes across in my content, but I really, I, I find personally that a lot of mental health awareness that I had grown up around or not grown up around, but seen in the last like five or six years was very like accusatory, was very maybe scientific was very kind of detached you know it was always something that happens like to them and it was kind of like you know you have a problem you need to get help and and things like that and you know sometimes you just you just want someone to just go yeah I, I get it like that happens to me too like I'm I'm not alone like here I was sitting at home thinking that I'm the only one who like lies on the floor of their shower, you know, when they wake up in the morning because they're just too exhausted to stand up and, you know, just lies there until the water runs cold and stares at like the ceiling for like two or three hours. You know, I thought I was the only one doing that until I started sharing. And then I realized that there are actually so many more people out there that are going through the same thing. And it doesn't make my situation any better, but it helps to know that, you know, I haven't personally done something wrong that's cursed me to live, you know, this at times really horrible existence. Um, and I think that is the biggest thing that I really got out of sort of sharing my story. Yeah. And something you mentioned that was so key is that obviously it's nothing that you did to bring this on. It's nothing that you asked for. It's not your fault. And I think for all of the progress that we as a society in this world are making, um, you know, in terms of encouraging people to speak out and ask for help and to take an active role in their healing and to educate themselves and to not be ashamed and all these kinds of things that that we do now, there is still, and maybe maybe you can comment on this too, is at least here in the US, there's still a very stigmatized way that people, you know, I mean, because they relate mental health, quote unquote, or mental illness, oftentimes with all of the, you know, 
mass shootings and mass traumas that happen all over the world and all these terrible things, the first thing they go to is, well, that person must be mentally ill. Well, then you're just kind of perpetuating this, this stigma, for lack of a better word, of, well, if you suffer from depression or, or uh, generalized anxiety disorder or, or bipolar or any type of mental illness or, or challenge, you feel like you're being labeled by somebody who is a horrible person because of what they're doing. And I mean, I, I know this because people have told me about this. So again, I think for all the progress we are making, there's still such a huge long way to go because to just really not have to always put a label on somebody in terms of, you know, being a, a derogatory kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And th- you know, this is funny, like, cause I was, I'm, <laughs> I'm really obsessed with like crime and, and psychology. So I was watching these, like um, these like serial killer documentaries the other day, and they brought up a similar point as to um, the insanity claim, you know, um, I forget which, which notorious one it was. But anyway, like whether or not he was insane and it was like, it was clear that he had like schizophrenia and he was definitely like a psychopath and that's why he went and murdered all these people. So it's like, clearly he's insane. Like, you know, that that is a mentally ill person that's not right in the head, but it's like, are they insane in the sense of, of the law? It's like, you know, I have bipolar disorder, but that doesn't make me a shit person. Like it, it, it has a lot of symptoms and a lot of traits, but you know, someone else with bipolar disorder could just be, you know, a nasty person. So just because, you know, you've had an experience with someone that has the same diagnosis that's, you know, maybe done horrible things, it's like there is still a certain amount of control you have over your actions. Um, You know, like I guess I've never been like completely out of control. I've never had like psychosis. I've done things that I, I, I regret in the moment they felt so right because I had this filter of either depression or this filter of, you know, um, years of, of like emotional and psychological abuse was kind of, I guess, affecting my decision-making. Um, but I really hate that too, particularly with um, like borderline personality disorder, which is they're changing the name now to basically mean like compounding or complex PTSD. And the way that they even like doctors talk about it like a personality disorder it's very accusatory it's like there's something wrong with you you can't handle your emotions you have tumultuous relationships because you know you can't handle your emotions and you know when you really get to the root of it and I've done lots of research spoken to so many doctors about it because I didn't like what I was hearing from them I didn't want to ex- accept what they were trying to tell me about it but when you really go back through your life you realize that it's something that sort of started to happen when you were a child that traumatized you, that happened again and again and again, basically every single day of your childhood. And then you sort of became so sensitive to certain things that every time they happen in your life, they trigger that hurt. And that hurt or that pain or that trauma has never really been dealt with in a healthy way or maybe at all. And it's like a wound that just gets more raw and infected. And what people didn't realize for me is like, you know, I'd be in a relationship and I'd probably say some hurtful things, but I'm just begging them to understand how much pain I'm in. But they don't think I should be in pain because they don't understand the underlying issues. So to them, I am just like a crazy person, you know, they can't look at it and go, okay, well, why might someone be acting in that way? 
you know, I used drugs for a really long time and not one person in my life, not many people noticed, but not one person in my life asked me why I was doing drugs and alcohol every single day. Like, why are you drinking vodka orange juice for breakfast? Not one single person asked me why. And if they'd asked me why, I would have told them the truth, which was every day I wake up thinking today's the day I'm going to kill myself. And the only way I can stay alive is to drink or, you know, get high or, or whatever I needed to do because it was simple. I couldn't live like this anymore. And I had exhausted all of the options that were available to me, like through doctors and everything. And I was fed up. It was like, I, I can't get help. I wanted to, I was trying, no one could help me. And that was the only avenue I really had left because I didn't want to die. But when people started accusing me of, oh, you know, you're a drug addict, you just want to fuck your life up, you know, you um, you just want to drink, you just want to be a, a law school dropout, you know, you just want to be unemployed and do, be homeless and do nothing with your life. It's like, no, all I want is to get better and I can't. And I think if you can get to that point and show a level of empathy and understanding, mm-hmm. like that's where people can really start to get help and help each other. Everything you're saying is just incredibly profound and it's real. And you're right. It it starts with a simple conversation and not just walking by somebody who's struggling or a friend that you have who you know is struggling in some way and just ignoring them or at worst judging them, thinking that, you know, they're asking to do this. I mean, nobody asks to live on the street. Nobody asks to struggle like this. You do it because you're trying to cope because you have no other way because nobody's giving you the help you need, or, you know, they are refusing the help you're asking for any number of things. And it it does indeed start with a, honestly, a simple conversation and letting somebody know who's struggling that, Hey, I care. What can I do to help? Is there anything you need? And that, that kind of simple act of kindness in my experience can go such a long way. And it's not that you have to have all the answers, right? Like people who are struggling don't necessarily always want you to have the answers. They just want somebody to listen and to be on their side and to say, yes, I get it. Or I'm here to help any way I can. And that can really, it can help somebody in just an incredible way as I'm, as I'm sure you would agree. I was, I was just thinking about that today, actually, because I've, I've been sort of getting progressively more depressed the last like month or so. And you know, I was just thinking today, I was just like, I'm so exhausted. You know, I was like, I'm finally admitting that I'm like, I'm depressed. And I, you know, didn't want to admit it. I kept thinking, you know, it'll pass, but it's like, no, I'm I'm in that state now. You know, I need to start taking some action. And I thought about it and I was like, I just want, you know, I was like, I just feel like I want to die. And I didn't want to die at all, but I just wanted to like tell someone that. But I was like, I don't want anyone to do anything. I was like, what is it that you really need right now? And I went, what I wanted to do was like, I just wanted to say it to someone like, I'm not okay. Without the fear of them trying to like fix me or trying to help, like for them to just be like, like, I'm really sorry that that's happening to you and give me a hug, you know, because it's like, I can't fix it currently no one could fix it it's like sometimes I just want people to know that I'm having a shit day or I'm having a shit time and just for someone to like know you know just for someone to hold space for me in that state so it's like I've got that off my chest someone knows that I'm not okay and it's yeah like it's it's a weird feeling I don't know if you've ever kind of experienced that or 
you've ever done that to someone because, I mean, normally when you say something like that, the conversation doesn't end in kind of just a calm, you know, caring, warm embrace. It's It always ends in like some sort of like fight or accusation or, you know, some unhelpful advice that people want to give like, oh, well, you haven't been outside yet today. Oh, well, you know, you haven't eaten something. Oh, you need to drink more water or like, you know, let's go to a yoga class or whatever people come up with. But a lot of the time you just want, you just want someone to know that you're not okay. And for someone to be like, I don't want to fix you, but I'm here with you. And I'm, you know, I'm just going to be present and, and with you throughout this. I have so many, so many more questions, but I want to respect your time. And so I think we're staying on this, this topic here of just understanding the importance of, as you mentioned, reaching out and just telling somebody that you care and letting them hold that space for you. And so I think when you can do that through your videos or, or through your blog posts, obviously you are affecting tons and tons of people more than you'll ever know, but how much of a challenge do you find it sometimes to really, and I mean, I know that you are on social media every day doing blogs and, you know, on um, YouTube and Instagram and everything. Do you ever have those days where you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore, but you feel compelled to because of the people that almost depend on you? Does that make sense? I do. Um, although so, I find it tends to be more when I'm like having my well days <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know what? I just don't want to like associate with that today. <laughs> like, um, but normally like when I'm at my worst, I find it easier to share because I've got something to say. Um, there's probably also a gray area in the middle where it's like I'm medicated, but I'm depressed. So I you know, the antidepressants take away my feelings. So I don't really know how to describe how I'm feeling, you know, but I've still got that kind of like lack of motivation and that like, I just can't be bothered doing anything today kind of thing. And those kind of weird in-between states is probably when I struggle the most. Um, But I, I really do enjoy doing what I do. I mean, I even, you know, like just getting on the live feeds and at first I thought that was really weird, but I got into the live feeds on, on Instagram and I people like so many people watched and then I would just, I don't know, like feed my dog or like eat breakfast or I don't know. And, <laughs> and people just would just watch me like kind of live my life. And then I would just sort of have a conversation with like people on Instagram live. And one thing that was really interesting that came out of that experience was people telling me that it was a really good way to connect. It was almost like I was a friend of theirs sitting in their room. And I think like for someone who is, um, you know, maybe mentally ill or depressed or, or somewhat housebound, like I can be at times, it's like a way of socializing without kind of having to socialize. It's like you can still sit in bed and be depressed, but then you've kind of got like a video chat, like a, a live interactive video that you can still be a part of and get a little bit of that exposure and I know for me that really kind of energizes me sometimes when I'm in like that that bad place um just you know it's sort of I won't leave my house to get that but if I can get that in my house then I'll get enough comfort like confidence to then leave my house and actually hang out with some you know some real people 
Um, so yeah, I, I do struggle sometimes, but I, I love what I do. And I think it's, it's almost what I was like, I was born to do, I think, um, you know, I've, I've been through a lot and I remember sitting in the psych ward one day and my psychologist said to me that, you know, you need to stop thinking about what you've lost and start thinking about what you've gained. And I just went, what the hell could, you know, six years of this hell given me, you know, I lost law school. Like, you know, I was a model like in Miss Universe Australia. I, I had a full scholarship to law school. Like I, I was ducks in my high school. I, I had like everything, you know, I was that, that kid that was like most likely to succeed and my whole life fell apart. But, you know, that was when I realized that what I really wanted when I was a little girl, like I wanted to write books and I wanted to be a motivational speaker and, you know, I wanted to change the world. And in that moment, I was like, you know what, this life journey has actually given me everything that I ever wanted. I'm in that place now where I have something to talk about. I have something to write about and it's given me a purpose. And people do tell me every day that I am, you know, changing their lives and hopefully one day the world. Um, so that is really, I guess, what kind of keeps me going and keep sharing. I think that's an incredible uh, just way to realize the growth and the way that you are helping not only yourself, but so many others to be able to sit back and be like, okay, I had all these dreams and all this stuff in front of me when I was in middle school and high school, and then everything changed. But as it turns out, I'm probably making more of a difference now and helping more people than I ever would have had I perhaps gone on to law school or, or, you know, done something else. You are literally sharing your life with people in the most vulnerable state, which again, I, you know, I keep coming back to the relatable part because I have to think that when you are just having one of those like live chats on Instagram or something, when you are just laying in bed or you're out on the back deck, hanging out or doing whatever it is you're doing, having breakfast, there's probably a ton of your watchers who are doing the exact same thing. So it almost, it's, it gives them not only somebody, but to relate to, but also they feel like they have this permission to struggle because somebody else is doing it in a vulnerable way that maybe they wouldn't be able to otherwise. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think social media can be slightly dangerous, you know, when it's so like fake, I've kind of always been like a real person, you know, like just be real or kind of go home. Um, and you know, even, even my, the growth of my accounts have encouraged me to be more me, have encouraged me to be more vulnerable to not have to post a picture with like makeup on or whatever to be able to just go live and just be like, you know what, this is me. And I feel like more than ever, I am unapologetically me. And whether that's, you know, I was always kind of a torn person, whether that was mental illness or my personality is just too dynamic or everyone in my life, you know, thought I should be doing something. And I was that kid, like, what are you going to be when you grow up? Yeah, I'm going to be a volcanologist. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be this. Like, I always had an answer to that question. And it crushed me when my life fell apart, um, you know, after I graduated high school. but. After a while, I got sick of people asking me that question. Yeah, but what are you going to be now? What are you going to be now? And I just went, I'm going to be the most important thing a person can be, and that's me. And I'm not sure who that is yet, um, but I'm figuring that out. And I can say that I I have figured that out now after the last couple of years. And that's probably one thing that I would say to any young listener or or sort of young person, um, be you. 
be you unapologetically you um because you know yeah i mean there is no i guess because it's just like that's what you do like it's the only way you can really be happy and and find your place in the world it's incredible information and just your story is amazing. I encourage everybody to check out your your channels, your blog, all the good stuff. And I want to respect your time because I know you are 15 hours ahead of me and you've got things to do. But uh, before we go, though, I would uh, you know go ahead and share and tell everybody where they can find you. And also, I would love to bring you back to maybe dive into some of your stories specifically since we didn't get to that. Uh, today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, we can make it a few part series. <laughs> oh, cool. That'll work. Yeah. So um, Bipolar Barbie is my name. You can find me kind of everywhere on social media. Um, my website is bipolarbarbie.com. My Instagram is the underscore bipolar underscore Barbie. Um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, and my YouTube channel is probably um, my favorite place to look me up. But um, yeah, Bipolar Barbie YouTube channel. Um, there's over 300, you know, half an hour long videos of me documenting my life over the past few years with, um, you know, various different mood states. Excellent. Thanks so much, B. This has been amazing and I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, me too. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should supersede the direction of a medical doctor or any mental health professional. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review. We would sure appreciate it. Also, please consider sharing this episode with someone who may find it helpful. If you would like more information on working with Matt as your coach, just head over to beyondyourpast.com and schedule your free one-hour chat. If you'd like to learn more about working with Joanne as your coach, please check out joannesuppressi.com and contact her for more information. We're always on the lookout for new guests. If you're interested in joining us on an upcoming episode, just head over to beyondyourpastradio.com and contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon.